Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. You know, I was saying before we had gotten started in the green room, I was saying, you know, for a big guy, he hid very well. Very hard to, like, get him for the sit-down. Very I'm, hard. I'm used to uh, being incognito. You know, I can morph into that building over, or the doors over there or in, in the background. I have great skills, though, being able to hide. But I, when, I, when I think of you, though, I mean, and I always, you know, it was always the first question if I was with John, if I was with Mace or somebody like that. And I was, you know, what kind of guy is Patrick Ewing? And never did one of your teammates say anything other than, you know, you're the best teammate they ever had. Loved you. Uh, never went into your pocket, though, once. <laughs> but, uh, or, or, you know, not, not that, but if you lent somebody a dollar. Oh, I want it back. You wanted, you wanted that dollar back. <laughs> with it? Right? Yeah, like, he would have that kind he of. Him that. It, it wasn't that he was cheap. He actually picked up some tabs, but it was like if you lent money or something like that. Oh, definitely wanted, but yeah. Um, but you know, teammates loved you. Other than that, sometimes, you know, which we'll talk about a little bit, some huddle stuff. Maybe we'll get to that with Mason later. <laughs> but I guess the first question is, you know, you played a little cricket, you played a little soccer. Why basketball? Well, you know, being that uh, first of all. Before I start, you know, everybody, I don't, even, I don't even know why you, you guys asked David to introduce me. He's very long-winded. <laughs> I've been out there standing. I'm like, my feet's starting to hurt. My back's hurting. <laughs> he, was good. he was probably good in those negotiations. <laughs> very good, very he good. He probably wore out a lot of general oh, managers. definitely, yeah. definitely. Oh, the best agent in the world. Best agent in the world. Have nothing but respect for this man. But um, I started playing basketball you know, like David said, I grew up in Jamaica. I uh, moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts when I was 12. Didn't know what basketball was. Um, you know, saw some guys playing it on the playground. They asked me to play. Played it. Fell in love with it from day one. And here, you know, here I am today. After all many, many, many years of, you know, ups and downs, you know, more ups than down. And, you know, I, I, I was able to do something that I loved. What role did your father play in your career early on? My father played no role in my basketball career. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really, he didn't know what a basketball was. Um, but he played a great role, uh, great role in my life. Um, my father's a very uh, soft-spoken uh, man, um, very humbled. Um, but he's a great father, great role model. Um, got up, got up every day, went to work, uh, worked hard, put food on our table. Was a mechanic, probably working two jobs, or? <laughs> well, you know, first he worked in a factory, uh, working in a factory in Jamaica, working a, in a hose factory uh, here in America when, he first, when I first got here. Then he had a terrible injury, uh, broke his, his arm. Then he was a, a janitor at Mass General uh, Hospital in Boston. But you know, it's funny, um, like I said, my father didn't know anything about basketball. But now, both everyone in my family, they all became experts. <laughs> uh, everybody's an expert now. I'm like, did you guys play this game? You know, I come home, they're telling me, you know, well, you guys need to do this, need to do that. If you can do this, that, and that, you'll be able to win. I'm like, come on now, when did you, when did you guys start <laughs> playing or, or coaching? But no, I mean, I have a great family, um, and you know uh, we all love each other. And um, was high school? You hear the different stories about high school. Was it tough playing high school? Did people give you a hard time? You're obviously a big kid. 
Um, um, what was that like? First of all, you know, back in those days in Boston was 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 very racist. If, they, if you weren't white, you were a little on the <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were if you weren't white, you weren't right. Yeah, you weren't right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, it is it, it was what it was. Um, it's changed a lot. Yes. Um, you know, but you know, I, I had a great. I had my family was great. My friend, the friends and. Uh, that I met there all great. We're still friends today. We still go hang out. They come up to New York or I go to Boston or they come visit me wherever I am. You know, we're all still great friends. You know, we, um, we, the community itself was, was great uh, of Cambridge. Before we get to the, probably the worst decision you ever made in his life, we'll get to that in a second. What was, like, before we get to your, your college decision, um, <laughs> What was it like, though, you know, what's it like for you these days off the field? Like, what's important to you? Like, where are you at with your kids, uh, charity work, the Orlando Magic, or what's... Well, definitely family is, more, is the most important thing to me. Um, you know, my, my kids, uh, my son, he's the oldest, and I have three other girls, uh, three year girls. Uh, one's at Fordham, uh, and one's in high school, and then I have a four-year-old. So I started, I, you know, I got... Somewhat out of the house, and I started back over again. You know, I, I don't know what what I was thinking. You, know. <laughs> you probably weren't. <laughs> but it, it's great, you know, because she, she keeps me young. Yes. I have to run around chasing around around the around the house. But family is very important. Um, you know, coaching. I'm coaching now, uh, so my coaching is, is is very important. Also, you know, giving back. You have to give back. Any particular thing uh, on, on their charity agenda? Anything you're doing that's? I don't that's have like, one particular charity that I that everything. I that I uh, support, but I, I do everything. You know, breast cancer. I'm big on breast cancer because one of my older sister passed away of breast cancer, so I'm big in that. Or pediatric AIDS, which is something that I supported when I was here playing. I still uh, try to support. Was with Pat, probably with Pat Riley back in right. those days. Yes. Your older son, how's he doing? You know, He's doing good. So close to becoming anything. Should have been a Nick. Yeah, should have been a Nick. <laughs> he should have been a Nick, but it, it wasn't in the cards for yeah. him. He's doing He's, okay. He's going to play in Germany next year. He's going to uh, play in Germany. Fi you know, they finally decide that, you know what, it's time to get out of dad's pocket, so I'm going <laughs> to go make my own. What was your secret? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go make my own living. So we get to the, the college thing. I mean, First of all, you must have been highly touted. What made you decide, and what other schools that were looking at you, and how hard a decision was it to go to Georgetown? Or, well, I know, I, you know, I know both of you guys went to Syracuse, but um, you know, the, I, I chose the best school. <laughs> uh, Georgetown was a, was a great university, great Catholic school, a Jesuit, great Jesuit university. Um, played for a great coach. Played for a great coach. Um, you know, when I, uh, David and I were talking, um, when we were on the ride over here from the hotel, and he, you know, we were talking about my, you know, the schools that I, that I uh, was visiting. Uh, UCLA was my second choice. Um, and uh, I remember going on my visit to UCLA, and I'm sitting around like, oh, my God. How can you go to school here? <laughs> like, all of the young ladies are walking around in short skirt, short shorts. I'm like, how can you study? <laughs> the weather is nice. 
I'm back in Jamaica. <laughs> I'm like, they no. probably brought out a few extra ones that particular day too. You know, but they let me get back on that plane. Once I got back on the yep. plane, I'm like, man, this is a six hours flight. It's a six hour flight. I, yeah. My family, how are they gonna get back and forth? But no, uh, Georgetown was was the was my first choice. John Thompson was the main reason. Um, he played the position, and as a young black man, Cena another black man who, who, who spoke the way that he spoke and, and uh, carried himself the way that he carried himself was somebody that I could aspire to be like. The t-shirt underneath the jersey, I just have to ask you that, just. I was cold. Was you one of the first, <laughs> one of the first to wear that, no? We were... I, wasn't one, I wasn't the first, you know, a lot of other people wore it, but I was the, uh, the one who made it famous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, t take us through the take us through the magical run, though. You had a great, what a great squad. I mean, you had a great four years there. Um, but take us through the magical run and, and, and also the big game against Akeem. I had a great um, college career. You didn't shoot much. Well, you know, back then, I had a lot of other guys do all the shooting, but I made up for it when I got to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> no, my, 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 my college career was, was great. Um, played with a lot of great teammates. Still a lot of, still a very good friends with a lot of them. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Made, um, went to the the NCAA final game, three out of three out of my four years, was on, was only able to win it once. How tough was the game against Akeem? Very tough. How good was he? Very good. How'd it be good to get picked? <laughs> how to get good to be picked over Jordan? But I mean, you think about it, he got picked over Jordan. So does right. Sam Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <coughs> you know, the funny thing is, back then, you know, you picked. The philosophy was, you know, you pick size over everything. Yeah, absolutely. You always go for the big man, hard to find. Right. But he was so talented. Um, were you a little nervous before that? Were you, are you nervous when you go we, back then as a kid going into those big games? No, I wasn't nervous. You felt you were just I was, I was, you know what? My first high school game, I was nervous. We can do a commercial for cough medicine here. <laughs> allergies, allergies, allergies. You're feeling killing. like this, which you know. I was nervous in my first high school game. I scored one point and fouled out in <laughs> one point and fouled out in like six minutes. That's how nervous I was. And were you a freshman or I was a freshman. Oh. <clears throat> we played the same team my senior year for the state champion. For the state championship, I told my friend, all my friends, I said, you know what? I was nervous the first time we played them. Now this, I'm gonna sit four years later, I'm a senior now, I'm gonna get 41 points. We're gonna, we're gonna cream them. Before, I'm gonna get 40, but the one point was for the one point I scored back then. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make up for it. So I had 41, we killed them. <laughs> David mentioned that, you know, your number, 33. Uh, why, why is that your favorite number and where does that come from? 
Well, it wasn't my favorite number. Um, I wore 32 in high school. Somebody else asked me that downstairs. In high school, I wore 32. But um, when I got to Georgetown, Eric Smith had 32. And they gave me 55. <laughs> Ooh, they also gave him a tumble, but you know, he didn't care. <laughs> uh, I, I said, Coach, you know, uh, 55, I don't see myself as being 55. Uh, give me 33, at least it's close to 32. So there I go, it ended up with 32, I mean 33. Well then why when you went, I just gotta jump ahead here for a second, but why when Seattle you jumped off at 33 or 30? Six, the Olympics. Six. Oh, the Olympics. Right. That was that Plus three and three. <laughs> okay, I mean, you learned that at Georgetown. <laughs> no, I was 30. I was 33 in, in Seattle. I was 33 in, in Orlando. I was six. In Orlando, you were six. Right. Okay. Because Nick Anderson. Tell me, give me a good John Thompson story because you know not enough, honestly. And you know, I'm not going to beat John up here without him here, but he was one of the great coaches of all time, and he probably doesn't get the props. Really doesn't. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, one of the great coaches right. definitely changed a lot of a lot of the way things happened. Tell me a, a John Thompson story. Tell me something, you know, an impact he had uh, with you as a player, whether it be in a game or in a conversation, maybe in practice. I mean, he, I had. I'm not. I don't really don't have one particular story that I can give you. All I know is that um, one of the reasons I am the person that I am today was a big part of was, was I have to give to him. Um, a lot of times in practice, he would stop practicing and teach us, you know, not only about the game of basketball, but also about life. You know, that you have to do the right thing, you have to get a good education because at some point the, the ball is going to stop bouncing, you have to be able to move on and take care of your family. Um, he brought other people in, into the gym who, um, who have done, who have been successful, uh, you know, working for different companies, be it Coca-Cola or whoever else. And you know to show us that you know there is life after basketball. Um, so you know, <coughs> I have nothing but respect for him. Well, I guess I got to ask you. Great, I got to oh, quick. Yeah. Great job, Patrick Ewing and John Thompson story. So when Patrick was a junior, um, no one had ever left Georgetown early in the history of the program. And John called me one spring afternoon, just sort of just a casual conversation. And towards the end he said, like, what do you think about the idea of Patrick leaving school as a junior? And I said, well, I don't think it's a very good idea. So why not? I said, well, you know, I, I read that he promised his mom that he was gonna finish college and his mom died in his junior year. I know he wants to finish. And he said, David, that's ridiculous. For a million dollars a year, he can get plenty of education. So I said, well, I still don't think he should leave. You know, he's probably not gonna be the number one pick. And, you know, Olajuwon, Houston's gonna have the number one pick. He's a local guy, he'll probably won't go number one. And we got into a very long discussion now. Those of you who know John, and John is my hero in life, so I say this with, with love. Um, he could use words that you don't find in Webster's <laughs> Dictionary every day. And we got into a very heated discussion, and he basically was cursing me out. At the end, he said to me, Look, you, you know, you're telling me what you think I want to hear, but you're wrong. I want Patrick to leave because I think he can't take the risk that he'll get hurt, you know, and, and he'll hurt his career. And I was so upset by this time. I figured, like, I've just ruined my re my relationship with this guy. So I said, Look, John, do whatever the hell you want. But my advice is keep him in school. He's not going to get amnesia and forget how to play. You could buy a disability policy to cover the you know the risk, and he's not going to go number one. And 
he came back to school um, and a year later signed a contract that was 50% larger than any other player in the history of the league. Veteran Kareem was the highest paid player at signed. And so the day we signed was August 20th, 1985. And we're in the Knicks offices and Patrick had a $5 million signing bonus, which is almost bigger than Lajuan's whole contract the year before. So they give Patrick the check. And I said, well, give me that check. <laughs> I made him sign on the back for deposit only. And I came back to Washington and I took it to a photo engraver. And I had to make three bronze copies of the check. I kept one. I put on a little plaque. I gave one to Patrick. And I sent one to John. And I wrote him a note. I said, dear coach, I told you so. <laughs> 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 the plaque made the wall, but the note didn't. <laughs> nice collectible, by the way. Um, how tough was it, though, you know, going back there from your side of it? Uh, because at that time, you weren't allowed to talk to David. Uh, but was that a tough decision to stay the fourth year? Or? No, it wasn't. Um, like David said, I made a promise to my mother. And plus, you know, uh, I was enjoying my college uh, experience. Um, I, mean, I made a lot of friends. Um, I grew. I went, you know, I tell people this. I went to college a boy and I left a man. Um, I went in, you know, a young, naive kid and I was able to leave uh, with a, a better, under, better understanding of life. I hate to go there, but I will. And we kicked we kick, uh, Syracuse ass <laughs> every, every chance I we got. I started looking up that record. <laughs> <laughs> that behind. That was not a good few years. That was not a good few years. But while we're kind of, you know, in that particular uh, dirty bucket of water, what happened against Nova? What, what, do you, what do you think what happened that night? Because that was, a, I mean, an odd night. That's still a bit I think if you, play, if you play 100 times, you probably beat them 99. Right. You know, we, we played them. You did play them a we bunch. We played them. But that year we played them, I think, four times. They beat us that one, one they, they beat us that one time. Uh. <coughs> What's going on in the huddle during that game? Because these guys are right out of their minds. They're shooting out of their minds. Um, we, we, we thought we was gonna win. You still always thought till the very end right. you were gonna come back and figure that out. Right. So you guys were relentless we defensively. You know, that you're known for that, but they just shot what seventy percent? I mean, they had to play. They had to play a per, almost perfect game to beat us. Yeah, you know, you have to take your hats off to them. And you know, it's funny. I'm. This is years later. I'm. I'm at. Uh, took a year off from work, and I'm at a Georgetown game. Georgetown playing Villanova, and I'm sitting across the from the Villanova bench, and I see Dwayne McLean, who I, I played against in high school. Also, he was sitting behind the bench. And I see uh, there was another guy sitting there next to him, and he's he's you know you know he's like pointing you know, <laughs> pointing that you know they beat us. So I said I told Dwayne to come over. I'm like you know so who's this guy? He's like you know I'm like I don't even know who the hell he is. He but he's gonna be sitting up talking about we beat you, and I also tell him he's in the wrong city to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he's in D.C. This is not. Uh, Philadelphia. But it does get personal, that stuff. I mean, it, you know, you just, it's, it's an art to overcome that, or you kind of put that... I, I still have not overcome it. I mean, I still don't even watch it. Even when we did the, the piece for, for, uh, for uh, was it ESPN? ESPN. The 30 uh, for 30. It. Yeah, yeah. I, it's still rough. How about the Freddie Brown thing with North Carolina? Hard, that harder or no? No, this one, uh, losing to Villanova, definitely harder. harder. 
um, Philip, Freddie, um, that uh, mistake happens yeah. all the time. Do you think Jordan was that good? Back then? Yeah. I, you know, no one knew that he would be as good as he became. Did you sense him on the court being, you know, something special? You know, or? it was good, but not, 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 that as, good. not that good. You know, we came out of high school together. You know, we played in the McDonald's All-American games and all that stuff together. You knew he was good. You knew he was talented. But to be the, the greatest player in my era, no. Sad. Is it sad to see the Big East kind of break up like this? Very sad. Very sad. In, in schools that, that, that helped to start it, to shape it, uh, definitely sad to see it and go all because of football. They need to get rid of the football program. <laughs> <laughs> or it would have been good if a couple of schools had a football program. But, you know, that, that, that's ultimately was the downfall, right. you know, the Villanovas and the... Uh, but um, were you at the last game in the, in the uh, Manly Fieldhouse? Was no, that's the year before me. Manly Fieldhouse is officially that, closed. Worst, yeah, that was... That's a sore issue, too. Sleepy Floyd, John Bebe Doran. I think it was a couple years before me. I think there are people still sitting there wondering what happened. <laughs> I mean, we were I, just, I just remember this, uh, hearing this statement. Manly Fieldhouse is a fish. Oh, there was no love lost between Coach Bayheim and Coach Thompson. But, you know, you got to remember, I mean, just as rabid a fan base as you can. David, you've been in the arena. And really loud, you know, the throwing of oranges at that point. Nobody got arrested for oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, it was I, very vile. I remember shooting a free throw and seeing an orange come and hit the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> it was insanity. And then we were up about 14, I think, at the half. And we were all kind of cruising, figuring, hey, last game, great. And then all of a sudden it was, I don't know if we scored in the second half. Well, plus, you had, you had the track. The, the basketball arena was on the track, it was, and it was dirt. And like, if you were coughing like you were tonight, you probably, probably would have been dying. Like, you, you walked out of there, and you felt like you'd been in the Dust Bowl. And then John Thompson goes in the press room. Manly failed this now. Officially. We hadn't lost in, in Manly probably in four or five years, maybe more. So it was, you know, it was just a, a moment of time that really, I think, stamped the Syracuse-Georgetown right. relationship. It was like, okay, now this is like... Now there's going to be, and that's the sad thing about the Big East is to not have that. Yeah, not a lot of it is gone. Yeah, a lot of that little back and forth. Now, how do you end up picking David as your agent? How, how, how was that? How hard was that? Were you thinking about other agents? It was a hard process. You know, like everything you you uh, meet, uh, you pick the, you pick from all the top agents in in uh, in the country. You interview them, sit down, talk to them, and you you pick the one you feel is uh, best able to represent you. I was fortunate to pick this man, and we're still together um, after all these years. Like, uh, you know, sometimes I want to, you know, put these 16 up his butt, but <laughs> we, we, get a, we get along great. Well, he's not, he's not a, a yes guy, for sure. Oh, we know that. Not. And he at least... Oh, and by the way, he said earlier that when he met, he had hair. <laughs> <laughs> No, he did not. He had, he had more than he does now, but it was still, it was more on the side. That the top was, I had I had here. <laughs> well, David, do you remember the first time you met Patrick, and and what was your first uh, thought? I mean, obviously, great player, but well, it was honestly, you know, we had just we had signed Michael the year before, but Michael really signed because the relationship. The guy was my boss at the time. When I met Patrick, he was really my first superstar. So I was, I was nervous, you know, I was a little anxious and, and uh, you know, we had just gotten to know Coach Thompson and, um, you know, he could be tough when he wants to be tough and so, uh, you know, you're putting everything on the line 
you know, I'd, I'd been in the business then, you know, about 11 years, and it was like every, it meant everything to me to, to sign Patrick. It was local, we were developing a relationship with Coach Thompson, and uh, so it was, uh, it was a tremendously rewarding thing. I was, you know, I was 34 years old, I was relatively young in the business, um, and the good news was my boss was in Japan at the time, so I got a chance to, you know, do it by myself, and as he said, we've had a, you know, I'll tell you a great, right after we signed him, and this is really an indication of the kind of human being that Patrick is, um, I don't want to sound like this is the Stone Ages, but we had this thing called like telephone answering machines back then. It wasn't built into your phone. I had a little plug-in answering machine. So I got home from work one day, about maybe a week, 10 days after we had signed, and I turned on my machine, and there was a message from Patrick, and it said something like, uh, good evening, Mr. Falk. I'm sorry to bother you at home, but if you have a minute, I was wondering if you could possibly give me a call. I just want to ask you a question. And I, I played it like twice as the wife, but like, was that a joke? Could a guy who's like the number one pick in the country possibly like be that nice and deferential? I mean, you hear the stories of, you know, athletes who are spoiled and, you know, they expect, and that's the way Patrick has always been. He's always, his mother, you know, raised an extremely respectful person. He's always uh, been extremely respectful, polite. Um, and so when I used to read the stories in New York in the early years, the people said that he was aloof or he was arrogant, you know, and I looked at the relationship he had with my family and my children. Uh, he's like the biggest teddy bear of all time. And the people who know him well know he's just a, a really lo lovely person. How much pressure on you? You know, you get drafted number one, you come into New York, team was, I don't know, a, a nice word to say, but... Terrible. Horrible. <laughs> and here now, I mean, people, you know, I don't know if people actually appreciated you till you were gone. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the, how you were an, such an assassin, night in and night out, and then all of a sudden it's like, God, I miss that guy. You know, and, but I mean, was there a lot of pressure to come? I mean, the garden's empty. You know, it, it, I'm not going to say it was a lot of pressure because back, you know, you don't, you don't think about it, you know. Um, we did have a, a bad team. My first year here, we won 23 games. Now, I'm coming from a winning tradition at Georgetown where, you know, we won, what, 90% yeah. of our games. And I'm coming here, you know, and I'm expecting to win championships. And, you know, just get smacked in my face. Oh, 23 games, we lose, the booze. <laughs> Um, and they actually had him playing power forward for a while, if you remember. That's the next year. The yeah. next year they had me playing power forward. Um, that was with Cartwright or? Yeah, yeah. Bill and Cartwright, was and Cartwright, I mean, that, once the ball went into him, nobody saw that, right? That never came out. <laughs> well, you know, um, Bill was a great player, and he's also a great person. Um, you know, Michael they, and the Bulls, they don't really give him a lot of credit for where I think he, a lot of credit is due. Um, even though Michael was the greatest player in my era in both hands, Scotty was, was the main focal point of that team. Bill, if it wasn't for Bill, they wouldn't have won because they didn't have anybody to stop me other than him. <laughs> um, and he did a pretty good job, uh, you know, playing defense and doing all the dirty work to enable them to do all the, all the things that they were able to do. Um, but, you know, you, by saying that when the ball went into Bill, Bill was, Bill was a a, a better scorer um, here in New York when he we played. We were bummed when they traded Bill. I mean, they, people people like Bill right. here. He was a great player. We brought in the Oak. <laughs> and, you know. We brought in Oak. <laughs> we brought in Oak. Uh, both, I can us, hear Jordan crying from here about Oak. Right. You know? 
Because that was his favorite, you know, he asked Michael. His favorite, his favorite, favorite player. player of all time, Charles Oakley. Oh. That wasn't the last trade he complained about, though, with Jerry Krause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, Oak, um, Oak was, uh, in a, in, Oak was the enforcer, you know. Um, anything, when somebody needed to be smacked, he was very <laughs> readily to smack him. Oh, man, he was tough. How was Mark Jackson as a teammate? You know, you played with Mark him his great. rookie year. That was fun. It was fun. We had a lot of fun. Rick Pitino, that's, that's when we first started winning. We first started tasting, you know, that we could, you know, what it would be like in New York to, to win. Um, Mark had a, a fantastic rookie year, uh, rookie of the year, uh, won the rookie of the year. We, we, that's our first time making the playoffs. So it all started. That's when it all started. You know, took a, went, we, we went up, took a dip. Then Pat Riley and those guys came in, um, Ernie Grumfeller, Dave Checkets, and it just took off. Pat Riley, what was that like? I mean, playing for him, I mean, now that you're a coach, are you a John Thompson, you know, kind of, is that your I guy? Borrow, I borrow from everyone. Well, there's no question, you steal what you can, but your style as a head coach is gonna be more like? Patrick Ewing. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna be me. I'm going to borrow from all of them. I'm not going to be Pat Riley where, you know, I'm going to be the sharp dresser, um, you know, you know uh, motivator. I, I'm motivated my own way. Okay. Um, I'm not going to be uh, Coach Thompson. I'm not going to be Jeff Van Gundy. I'm not going to be Stan Van Gundy or Doug Collins. All these are people who I, eat, who I either played for or worked for, who are all great coaches. I'm going to be, I borrow uh, bits and pieces from all of them and come up and join it with my own and gonna be the best coach I can be. But you know, can, I just gotta ask you, I mean, dream team, Hall of Famer Olympics, do you feel, and do you feel like in a way a little slighted? Just because I sometimes have to remind myself how great and how much of an impact you had on this game. I mean, there's only a few players that you can make an argument that were better than you. <laughs> so do you feel like, but you, you see Mark Jackson get a job as a head coach or you see like, do you feel your time's going to come soon? Well, I hope. I is, it, hope. is it just NBA, or do you think maybe? I want to stay in the NBA. Um, you know, college, uh, you know, you have just too, many recruit, too much recruiting and all that stuff you have to do. At least in the NBA, there is an off-season uh, where, where you, know, you, do, you can spend time with your family. Um, you know, so I see myself in the NBA. I uh, hope I'm not going to wait as long as Tom Thibodeau did uh, <laughs> to to get a head job. You know, I think by then I'll try to find something else to do. Um, but you know, I'm happy for Mark. Mark and I are very good friends. We still talk today. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for all the other people who who gets these who get who are getting jobs. But in your mind, like you're here, you put in I think is it 10, 11 years as an assistant. This is my so ninth you, year, uh, going into my tenth year. So you put some good time I put in. My time. You've been, you you have a pretty good understanding how to coach. I've paid my dues. Yes. What's the difference between where you are now and being a head coach? What do you think's the gap? What's what's missing? An opportunity. Anything? Just opportunity. <laughs> an opportunity. Uh, an opportunity. I see guys who who came after me. Uh, who have gotten jobs, gotten opportunities. I've seen people like Mark who, who went from the, the broadcasting booth. You know, you know, I see it all, but you know what? I, I can't be mad at them. I can't, you nah. know. All I can do is just, you know, make sure that I, I stay ready. I, you know, try to uh, become better at my craft and just wait, wait for the opportunity. When I get that opportunity, 
is make sure that I'm ready. We are talking, it's Olympics. Dream you hear team. a little dream team talk about how this dream team probably could be beaten, you know, any dream no team. Way. <laughs> no way. No way. No way. You know, look, we, first we have the greatest player in my era to, on, on the team. You have, even though Larry, he was older at the time, you had Magic Johnson. First, then who, who was going to play? Myself and Dave Robinson, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone. The forwards, they're all, they're basically they're tall, but they're all guards. So Dave, Dave Robinson was your backup, or? How? Well, we, you know, I start one to... game, he start one game. We just flip-flop. We flip-flop. Wow. Yeah, you know, they, wow. uh, if we played them 10 times, we'll beat them 10. <laughs> how? I'm not even going to give them any, we're not going to give them any break. We're going to step on that, step on their throats. Now, how, how spirited were those practices very, back then? Very spirited. You know, the, the practices was better than the games. Um, <laughs> we're playing against ourselves, you know, and we're the best players in the world. Um, if you look at all the, the players who are playing now in the NBA, a lot of them, because of us, that's why they started playing the game, or they would have been playing soccer or something. Yeah. You know, they started playing the game of basketball because all the, when they, when they were able to turn in, watch the Olympics, and see the things that, that we could do. And that's why they, they started playing. Was that fun for you? I mean, because you, know, you can never tell. With, you know, you, you, when you play, you always kind of have very consistent. Well, I'm like approach. Bernard King, you know, we both had that, that game. Yeah, you couldn't you tell. Know. I mean, you didn't know what was good, bad, or, you know, just. We had, we had that game, you know, I just put our game. Yeah, you had the war face, and that was, and it, probably, it was probably a good thing. You never knew if you were not happy, happy. But were you having a lot of fun? Was that fun? It was a lot of fun. You know, it's always fun when you're winning. And, you know, when you're playing on that stage, you're playing in the Olympics, you're playing for the, the country. You know, you not only have, and I'm playing with the, for the Knicks, I have the people, the fans of the Knicks and the fans in New York uh, uh, supporting us. In the Olympics, you have the whole country, uh, you know, every state supporting you. And we went out there, we kicked butts, we took names, and we did it with style. <laughs> Were you pinching yourself, though? I mean, we don't play on this. And you think about it, uh, you know, on the Olympics, virtually every guy on that team will be in the Hall of Fame. And in his entire career in New York, question how many players that he played with in New York will be in the Hall of Fame, if any. They might not, with the exception maybe of Mark, probably won't have one player that you play with who'll ever be in the Hall of Fame. Michael had one, which is Pippen. Then you look at the, like the Lakers in Boston, the whole team's in the Hall of Fame. So the, the league's really changed. And the, it's the, cap, the cap has made it hard to have the depth of those kinds of teams. And yeah. so when you're playing with those guys every day, it really spoils you. I mean, a lot of the guys in the Olympic team now, the current team, they got to go back and play with their teams. And it's like a downer, you know, to play with all those guys. Oh, it's got to be amazing. Bless you, LeBron. He got Wade and Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> you can fix the stakes. Why not? You know. Uh, although, you know, I, I think the NBA is on an uptick. You feeling like the game? You know, watching the game from the bench now. You know, obviously the last couple of years, you feeling a little bit of an uptick in the quality of the game, going up, down. Well, I mean, it's definitely work a lot, ethic. It's a lot different from when we played. Um, you know, the NBA they wanted they want more a, a lot more scoring. So when I played, it was a lot more physical. You could hit and be hit and push, scratch, claw. Now, 
you breathe on a guy, it's going to be a foul. Um, so it's a lot different. They want more. They want to see more dunks. They want to see LeBron and, and Dwayne, you know, flying through the air and dunking and all that stuff. It's more appealing to all these these guys, these fans out here. But you know, I mean, it, it's a different. But it, it, it's uh, the ratings for for this year's playoff. I think was was one of the highest. So things are great. What'd you think of the uh, thirty for thirty? You know, the one with Reggie time, Reggie Miller. Did Who? you see that? Reggie Miller. Yeah, the one they did with Reggie. I don't like that guy. Still don't like that. <laughs> I'm sure the feeling is somewhat mutual um, because you know, I mean, I mean. I was upset about that piece a little bit. It was funny and everything, but not that funny. It, it was it was funny, but you know what? Um, it only it was only one game. They made a big thing out of out of one game. Now, if you go back and look, how many times did the Pacers beat the Knicks? We owned them. He almost, <laughs> he almost has that look. You know, remember when we owned them? Yeah. But that was a nice robbery. It was a great robbery because we we were just we mirrored each other. You know, um, they had Rick, Rick Smith, uh, a very good center. Uh, they had Reggie, a great uh, two guard. Um, you know, they had the, the Davis boys, you know, who were a lot very physical, like, you know, Oak and Mace. Was that a tough team for you to play against? What bothered you as a player? Anybody? Did anybody really bother you? Uh, the, the, the hardest player for me to play against was uh, Keem, Shaq, because he was so big. And strong, athletic, and you know it's funny. People see Shaq now, and they don't remember the way he was when he first came in the league. They see this big, you know, unathletic guy. But <laughs> when he came into the league, he was big and athletic. He used to be running. I'm like, oh, get, oh, get him, get him. <laughs> you know, he was, he was, it was a, it was very athletic. You know, I don't know if I'm ever going to see a team like uh, when you know the Knicks. They take you know, take no prisoners. The tough guys. Oh, they so try. New York. They try. You know, a lot of guys. They a lot of teams. They try to do it. Like Pat, he's down in Miami. They, he tries it with those guys, but nobody does it like New York. Shaky. How about um? Back on, back on your Orlando thing is you know the Dwight Howard. Is that tough? You know, you're the big man. I mean, have you been able to help him with his game? Is he going to stay? Does he, I mean, what, what happens? I stay out of that. You do? I stay out of but that. But is he, is he a teachable character? I mean, have you able you know, to teach I him? Had, I had a, I, I, you know, being in Orlando, I was in, uh, I just finished my fifth year in Orlando. Unfortunately, we're not going to be there anymore. Um, and, Are you moving on? But we all got let go. We all got, we you all got the casualties. whole coaches that yeah, ca We're oh. all casualties. So you're free agent. You're <laughs> I'm free agent. agent. I'm looking at a job. You have oh, a job beautiful. for me. <laughs> I'm looking at the job. You know, um, Dwight is, you know, he's grown, man. He has a lot of people in his camp telling him, uh, advising him what to do. So I try to stay out of it. When it came to the basketball part of it, he was very coachable. I had nothing but respect for him. I, I, uh, he was a great worker. All the other stuff I leave alone. In, in terms of trying to give him, give him advice about where to go or what to do, I, I stay out. He has enough, enough people in his ear. Any shot, I mean, just between us? I mean, any shot that, you know, you could maybe come back as an assistant here in New York? Um, I think that's next. Hey, I'd love to be back here. You know, I still live here. Um, you know, uh, who knows? Uh, I'm keeping all doors open. Um, Knicks, Nets, whoever. <laughs> 
What do you feel your greatest accomplishment? I mean, when you think about your legacy, I mean, what do you think? What, what stands out for you? How do you want to be remembered as a player? Uh, well, how do I want to be remembered as a, um, a, per a person who gave it, gave it his all? Um, good days, bad days, um, good games, bad games, hurt, not hurt. Uh, every time I stepped on the court, uh, I, I gave it 110%. You know, I could be reading you wrong. I mean, and we've only been together now for about an hour now, but you seem very comfortable in your own skin. You seem relaxed. I'm very comfortable in my skin. Always this way? I mean, but you seem like a relatively happy together guy. Oh. Always been this way? I've or always been this way. But he hasn't always been perceived this way. Right. I, well, well, you know, people, people, I don't care who you are. Uh, if the media, if that camera right there says that Patrick Ewing is, an, uh, pardon my French, an ass, then, you know, that's what's going to be a lot of people who are watching is going to perceive you as. You know, some people, you know, but if they say that Patrick Ewing is such and such, then that, 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 that camera right there uh, shapes a lot of, a lot of opinions. So, you know, I'm not going to be, the, I'm not going to change everybody's opinion of me, but I, I have to live my life. And as long as my friends, my family, and people in my circle know the, the real Patrick Ewing, then that's how I live. Regrets? Any? Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody has regrets. We, ha we have some time. Uh, my first regret was probably leaving New York when I left. Um, uh, you know, I just thought that it was time to leave. Uh, having, after I played 15 years here, and for 15 years, you know, you kept hearing that, you know, that may, they should trade him or he, uh, the team is better off without him or whatever. So, you know what, I'm like, after 15 years, enough is enough. You know, maybe. Anything you could have done physically now knowing, like, do you think you could have now physically been differently then? Or, I mean, that's a lot of wear and tear. Of 15 years, you know, you went deep in the playoffs. You played a lot of minutes, and there weren't easy minutes. You know, you right. you, were, you were the center of the offense. I uh, think maybe you should have maybe said, well, maybe I shouldn't have played quite as much, or maybe nah. no. <laughs> I I can't. I couldn't play like that. Okay. You know, it's funny because Don Nelson became the coach after after Pat left, left. and I think they thought that you know uh, maybe Patrick is getting old, or or, or something like that. So they tried to relegate my minutes or, you know, diminishment stopped me from, like, I couldn't play like that. Is that a John stuff that's saw? You know, so we got to bring these guys up because it's always fun to have a couple teammates drop in. John and Mace. John and Mace. And he looks like David Falk over there. Now, let's try to limit the headbutting here. Let's try to, you know, let's try to keep everything. No, I'm just kidding. Mace, first of all, congratulations. You got a nice career going. Uh, selling. No shoot. No, no, we need a seat for it. Don't we need a seat? A chair? We got another one. I'll give you mine. John, grab oh, my goodness. seat for now. Grab my seat for now. And Mace, you know, grab that one for now. Oh, Me and John no. are close enough where we can. Oh, sorry about <laughs> Sit that. Sit on his lap. So, <laughs> Mace, uh, you're selling insurance these days, yes? Yep, I'm enjoying it a lot too. Um, selling everything that's uh, attached to the word insurance. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, real fulfilling. The networking is incredible. Um, I got into it because I felt like there's a lot of insurance vehicles that could help a lot of athletes. And right now, 
we have a high percentage of athletes going broke, you know, after making substantial money. And I think it's a travesty. And uh, being with Bobby Hotel and my boss up there, he showed me a lot that I felt like we could help athletes and then learning about insurance. I've learned that, I mean, there's a lot of planning that a lot of us should have done. And uh, no, a lot of late. us fail to do it. If you, you know, you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, so. I thought you were kind of Matt Patrick Ewing's insurance policy, though, on the court, <laughs> protecting him a little bit. Oh, yeah, you know, that's what, uh, we was in there to help the, protect the big fella, keep people up off him, but he, he was pretty physical and aggressive <laughs> himself. I remember a game he threw some jabs at somebody. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> now, John, we used to drive home every now and after a game. Yeah. And a few, you know, a couple of times, you, you know, we, we don't see this as fans, but was Patrick ever asking a little more for the touch, for the ball, or was that? <laughs> That's was, an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, know, we know where, the, where our bread was buttered. Let's just say it like that, you know, uh, everything went through the big man in the middle uh, and uh, he was money the uh, majority of the time. And so, um, you know, all I did is try to come in and fulfill a role, a need. <laughs> Don't believe that. <laughs> Don't, he still owes me money. <laughs> How many years did you play in New York? Eight. Played eight years here, and he's I, gonna, he's gonna talk he about owes me hold for on, all, hold eight, on. He's gonna all talk about. eight of it. He tried to dunk on me. <laughs> I almost broke his neck. <laughs> he always say that he's my savior. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he actually, I, I did try to dunk on uh, Patrick. Uh, it was the last day of tryouts, <laughs> and uh, so I, I tried to impress, impress, the, uh, impress the coaches, and not knowing if I was gonna get you know, cut or not, because you never knew, uh, know at that particular time, even though I had a, a pretty good uh, veteran camp, uh, but I wasn't sure. So I came in with the attitude that, hey, I'm going to impress on the last day. And uh, I came in on fire, and I saw the opportunity to really impress. It was a fast break, and I was coming down on the right. He was coming down on the left. And I said to my man, oh, I'm getting ready to flush you. <laughs> I'm ready to flush you and really make a big impression. Went to jump and forgot that, you know, he's seven foot and he can get off the ground. <laughs> so he get to the rim a little quicker than I did. And uh, I think he was a little upset, though, that, that I was scorching uh, his team during that time. But uh, he came, he caught my uh, dunk, and I came down, twist my knee. And, you know, I know he felt bad because he thought he had, you know, uh, end my, ended my career. You know, I could have really tore my knee up. But I was very fortunate enough that uh, it was just twisted, and they put me on IR. And when you're on IR, I didn't know that you, they can't cut you. <laughs> so that's, that's why he say that he's my savior. <laughs> and he had, not, he had not paid me one red cent from that. Well, all those assists that I gave him, the ones that I wanted to shoot. <laughs> give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> Anthony, you played the one, two, three, four, and five. I mean, you were multi, I mean, you could do it all, but can you give me any, uh, was there any good dialogue in the huddle? Because you were physical, you were, I mean, obviously in control, but you definitely, you also like to have the ball. I like to handle the ball. I mean, being a New York kid, uh, we have so many great ball handlers and tricksters out here. I just wanted to be one of them. So I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel like I was involved, you know, just, I knew who was going to get it. Uh, he made that clear. Uh, 
deal with that dialogue. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, you definitely want to, you know, be a, a part of a great organization that we were, and you want to produce. And that was one way that I could produce. I was able to handle the ball, facilitate the ball, and then watching great players like Patrick and John, I learned. You know, I brought back some of my college scoring. You know, in my later in my career, but. When I was there, I was a role player, you know, protect beast. Uh, <laughs> don't let John get hurt. <laughs> now look, no, don't believe that now. Where See, is they, they, we all old now, so they, yeah. they all, they sit here and they talk all this stuff now. But Anthony, um, you know, was, was one of the, the greatest defenders, especially individual defenders on the team. Could lock, lock a lot of people down. Um, they, you know, played him at the point forward, they called him, handled the ball, distributed it. But he gave the ball too much to John. I'm like, nah, look, <laughs> bring it over here. <laughs> bring it over here. I'm, I'm going to tell you how bad Patrick is now. All right. I remember when I was trying to make the team, I was uh, coaching McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Coach McLeod, you know, He's an old school coach, and he used to tell me, he said, John, I want you to deliver him the ball. I want you to get down low, and I want you to give it to him, slide it in there where he can bend down and get it, right? So this man, seven foot, he tell me, he said, I threw it in there, he caught it. He said, John, do not pass the ball like that to me again. I said, hey, I'm trying to make the team. Coach McLeod said, pass that ball in there like that. That's how it's gonna, how it's gonna come in. He said, all I'm going to do is watch you go out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> so believe me, I didn't think, you know, I, you know he said that he's going to watch you go out of bounds. He literally watched it go out of bounds. <laughs> he said, I told you not to pass me the ball like that again. So every night, yeah, I started throwing it to him the right way. So. And you made the team. Huh? Hey, exactly. <laughs> hey, look, I was, I was brought up that you throw it to the, as a big man, you throw it to the target hand. <laughs> So he kept throwing it the ball to my ankles. I'm like, look, <laughs> throw it to my target hand. He kept throwing it. I just kept watching. I'm like, okay. like come on, man, please. Throw it. I'm trying to make the team. I'm like, well, throw it to my, <laughs> target, to my target hand. If he, he would have gave me some insurance that I was on the team, then I was like, finally, listen. listen. Finally, listen. Yeah. How, how great was it to play at Madison Square Garden? Was that an, is, you know, the fans so knowledgeable? Is it an advantage? Did it mean something every night, especially with you know the good-looking coach, everybody <laughs> there? You know he brought he brought a certain element. You know, obviously Patrick came in in what '85, right? Or '65? You're, you're, you're not too far behind me, so don't age yourself. Came in '85, so he, he had the most experience uh, of being there uh, in the beginning, and you know when the team wasn't as as great as it, it was when. You know, I came and Mason and Oak and all these guys got here. And there's no place like the Garden. It's, it's, it's one of the most incredible feeling to go out there on that court. And when you walk through uh, those doors, that tunnel, to take the court and you look up and you see all the greats in the rafters, it's just a, a very special feeling for me, uh, being a kid from Oklahoma and, and to be able to do something big in the, in the Mecca. Uh, it was just incredible, and uh, now you get to see this man jersey up there every time I walk in. I look up, I see 33. I say I had a hand in that. <laughs> Patrick, did you feel that? I mean, did you feel that energy, or you felt like you could play on that? Did that give you that extra energy? Seeing you know Spike in the front row, and 
all those characters, all celebrity row, and just the loudness of that arena? I mean, it's great to play here. I mean, like John just said, it's the Mecca. Um, you know, my, myself and the fans, we had a, a love-hate relationship most <laughs> of the times. You know, one minute they love me, next minute they hate me, but it was great. Um, now, we, now we all see each other, you know, eye to eye. <laughs> but no, it was, a, it was a great experience playing here. The fans was great. You know, seeing all the celebrities who came out was great. <laughs> <coughs> seeing John bend down and kiss the, <coughs> the neck. <coughs> Emblem was great. <laughs> it was just a great, it was just, you know, like Dave was saying before when we first came out here, you know, um, the teams that you wanted to play for, definitely this was the one I wanted to play for and wanted to try and bring a championship here. We weren't able to do it, but <coughs> we came close. He did a couple times. Probably if it wasn't for Jordan, probably would have happened a few times. You're right. Guy definitely got in the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we all, we all sat through a lot of that, that those train wrecks. But <coughs> how intense, well, just a quick thing on the Bulls thing, like how intense, I mean, there was no love lost there? Was that real? Was that, does it seem like, I mean, you know, that was between you and Michael and was that real? I mean, is it still real? Is Michael like? No, we're cool. You're cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, during, during that time, you know, you have to, it's kind of like, you know, what I learned about is that, you know, you, you, when I grew up, I'm playing against my older brothers and they used to like kick the mess out of me. And, you know, I thought that they didn't love me <laughs> until after the game was over with and everything was back to normal. You know, that's how, how it was with Chicago, you know. Uh, when you're in competition, if you're not wearing that orange and blue, then you're my worst enemy, and I'm going to go at you uh, during that uh, 48 minutes. And once the game is over with, everything is cool. And I think that's how you approach uh, when you step out on the court, uh, that you can't have uh, – you can have a respect, but you have to have a, a certainly a high dislike for that opponent that you're playing against. That's the only way that you can go out there and, and, and play hard and, and, and do the things that is necessary in order to win. Was Michael Trash talking to you a lot, Mace? Was he Trash talking to you a lot? Mike didn't really, uh, he didn't really talk much, but um, unlike John, I didn't like him after the game neither. <laughs> I didn't start talking to them until I retired. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was real. I mean, it was definitely real. It, but uh, we were so well trained that we was going into a game, we played like that against anybody. Our practices was legendary. Yeah. Um, there was no out of bounds. Ran in the walls, me and Oak collide and X. I mean, it, it, our, our practices itself was legendary. So rivalries, unfortunately, they became our victims because we was coming at them the same way. That's why it's so interesting today when you see, like, LeBron go to Miami to join Wade and Bosch, and you ask the generation of players, Patrick and Michael, would you have ever done that? And they look at you like the idea of Pat playing with Larry Bird after he wanted to bash his head in every night. It just wouldn't be in his mindset. The idea that Michael would go out to L.A. and play with Magic, even if it meant winning nine in a row, like he would never do that. He wanted to, he wanted to beat Magic every night. And today's players just have a different mindset. 
Yeah, to piggyback off of Mr. Falk, uh, I remember Jordan said something like, we need a player like Mace, you know, here with the Bulls. And by the time my contract came up, I was like, I want to beat you. I don't want to <laughs> go play with you, you know. I don't, I, and that's what the type of play, that's the difference in the players, like he said now. It was just way more, to me, just way more competitive, uh, way more physical. Like he said, they want to see a lot of scoring now. But, I mean, you played some nights. We put up them numbers. But we were just determined that you wasn't going to come in our house, go in our refrigerator, and eat our food. That's just how we were. And the other thing, you see the, ga you see the games today. <laughs> you see the games today, and the Pat was saying, like, the people want to see the, like, the sports center highlights. I mean, if you could have gone down the lane in the 80s and 90s, the way the guys go down the lane today without getting your legs broken, you know, I mean, they had the, you know, the Jordan rules yeah, with absolutely. Detroit. The, the physicality of those games, if a guy like LeBron, even his size, came down the lane, he, he'd have a three-year career if he did that three or four times. It would be, be over. And it just, just couldn't happen. All right. Well, just uh, I appreciate everybody coming out tonight. Patrick, you are just it's great having you in town. Hope to see a lot more of you. It's, just, you know, it's great. You know, we don't get to see enough of you. So. <coughs> I like, since I started, so I'd like to make one sort sure. of closing comment, if I could, to the fans. You know, one of the things that always intrigued me in New York, and I grew up in New York, was the perception of what kind of person Patrick was. And I used to always say, like, you know, when you go to work and you're dressed in a suit and tie and you're being formal, you're a lot different than when you're sitting at home with your boys playing poker, playing golf. You know, Patrick, to me, when he put his uniform on, he was Patrick Ewing. He was a tough, take-no-prisoners kind of guy. And when he's in an environment like tonight, this is, this is the real Patrick Ewing. This is the way he is every day for the last 27 years with me. He's funny. He's you know, warm. He's engaging. And it was always a disappointment to me that the, that the people writing never had a chance to, to take his uniform off and see what he was like as a guy. And I think that was their loss. Yeah. Because yeah. This, is, this is the real Patrick Ewing. Yeah. Well, thank you. I also want to, um, and I think y'all should give this man a hand for this, uh, besides him wanting the ball, um, one thing that I could talk about that John can attest to is this man never left the practice court. He would never sit out. He never took off a possession. We begged him. We like, man, Riley is crazy. If you sit out, <laughs> we can get a break. <laughs> I know your knees hurt. <laughs> he wouldn't sit out. I mean, and that's a testament to his character and why he always tried to achieve greatness. And I feel like he should get a hand for that. I mean, he never sat out of Well, let's hope. I want him to sit out so I can shoot the ball more. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> let's hope. Let's see. Uh, Patrick, you know, as a head coach, it would be a thrill to see it. Love to have you back in New York. I say it you know, selfishly. Thanks, everybody.